Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Under the Stained Glass, the podcast where we take a look at what we talked about in church this last Sunday and then approach it again from a family angle. I'm Pastor Chris here at Magnolia Park United Methodist Church in Burbank, and I'm here with our children, youth, and families director, Ms. Whitney. Hi, everyone. And this week, we were still in our series called Raised to Glory, where Mm -hmm. we're talking about the resurrection and how just that can really, understanding it and believing it can really ignite a spirit of revival in us. But we were actually talking about John chapter 21, this uh, really cool story where the disciples are at the beach in the Sea of Galilee, Uh and they're just waiting around for Jesus. They've seen him appear to them in his resurrection body twice in Jerusalem, and now Mm -hmm. they've gone to the Sea of Galilee to wait for Jesus. Yeah, they kind of go back to where it all started, and they're just hanging out. I mean... I, I would be waiting for Jesus too, I think. I think mm-hmm. I'd want to see more of him now that they've seen the incredible resurrection of Jesus and, and saw that he was actually back. I think I'd be sitting doing nothing else uh-huh. than waiting for him. And so that's what they're doing. They're at this, at this beach. They're spending some time. And so easily, like we all do, they can kind of fall back into what they know. And what they know oh, yeah. is being at the beach and being on a boat. So that's where they do. But it's an awesome story. It's kind of like the the end of John's account of Jesus. And it's really cool because it, it brings all the, all of them back together in this very familiar scene. And I, it's mm-hmm. so cool. I know. I really like it. You really do get the sense, too, that the seven, there's seven out of the 11 are there. Right. And you just have to wonder after the thing with Thomas, why any of them are kind of missing. Right. <laughs> like, don't they know they're going to miss something great? Exactly. But Thomas is there. Um, but they're there and you really do get the sense that they're back, you know, in their old neighborhood. And Peter apparently just says, Hey, I'm going out to fish. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, well, we'll come with you. Sure. And I can just imagine that they get back out there and just, you know, you think about all the different memories they have of the Sea of Galilee and the area around there. Yeah. I mean, that's where Jesus walked on the water Mm -hmm. and brought Peter out to, you know, trust him and walk with him and just all of those things. And, and then plus the fact that, yeah, that's what they used to do before Jesus mm-hmm. and before certainly, you know, the, the past two weeks where they've had to experience so much right. that they're just kind of out at night on the water. Yeah. They're looking at the stars. They're probably just talking and, yeah, yeah being like the old days. The old days, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then in the, even in the morning... They hear a voice from the, the shore that yells to them and says, friends, have you got any fish? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they don't recognize the, vo- the voice. Yeah, it's almost incredible to me that they have all these encounters with Jesus and they've even seen him in his resurrected body and they just don't immediately understand who it is and, and don't recognize him. That could be a whole, you know, teaching in and of itself of recognizing and and, and knowing Jesus, even with our experiences that we've had with him. But yeah, they're out, they're doing what they know. They, they're sitting on a boat, hoping to catch fish and Jesus shows up and it's a very familiar scene. It's, it's very much like that first encounter Mm -hmm. that they have with Jesus, especially the fishing disciples, the ones that, that, that was their trade. This is how Jesus caught them and, and brought them into ministry. So it's a really familiar scene, and and it makes me really smile every time I think about it because it, <laughs> Jesus probably was very was very entertained by this oh, this moment. So. You know, I think oh, he's yeah. going to kick out of it. Oh yeah, and 
he just calls out to them, "Hey, how are you doing out there? How's the fishing going?" Yeah. And then they they get to they get to once again encounter Jesus. He gives them that incredible opportunity to encounter him and what he can do. And what he does is, yeah, that they don't recognize his voice, but they recognize him by what he does, right? Yeah. yeah they he says, "Friends, have you caught any fish?" And they look down and they notice that they haven't. Right. And then Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some, mm-hmm. which now you must think that that they're getting a clue that maybe this is. But right. I guess immediately these the, the net is filled with fish again. Right. And that's where I really see Jesus just sitting back and laughing because they, they just, I can just imagine it like the whole thing speeding up because yeah. Peter apparently puts his clothes on, puts his outer coat yeah. on. And then jumps in the water and is just like struggling. He's got to swim a hundred yards into Jesus. But they're so excited to see Jesus. Right. And see what's next is what I feel like. If they were nostalgic a minute ago, now they just can't wait to see what Jesus has for them. And in so many ways, just that that image of the net, the empty net filling up with fish is just so indicative of the promise and the hope that... You know, Jesus has for all of us, especially if we're seeking him and waiting on him like like they've been doing. Right. And how incredible is it when, when Jesus does that for us, when we're sitting in those those times, maybe maybe they've lasted a while, maybe maybe, you know, they're we're tired of those times where it's quiet and, and God hasn't really been working a lot in that time and we're trying to figure out where he's at. Yeah. And we're thinking back on all the times that he did show up and we're hoping for maybe a reoccurrence of that and then something really incredible happens and yeah. it just lights us on fire again. Yeah. And that's the incredible part of it. That's what I see with, with Peter. One, he's just so <laughs> shocked that Jesus is there and he can't even imagine not being in his clothes to see Jesus, you know, oh, yeah. so he throws yeah. him on and he, he jumps out immediately to go see him. He can't even wait for that boat to get to shore. And I see a lot of myself in, in Peter in that moment where when that fire is lit again, mm. when God shows up again and, and says, well, let's, let's do something else, you know, let's, let's keep going. That's an incredibly exciting moment. It pulls you in and and you can't wait to see what he's going to do. Well, and, yeah, and it's kind of like, I mean, this uh, in so many ways this should be us, you know. Right. When we, and it's true it is kind of us when we're when we're really feeling his presence, right. you know, you're in those places where you can't wait to pray yeah. in the morning cuz you just know something's up or you sure. you know that you're going to meet Jesus there. Or, you know, it would be wonderful if we all had the grace to be that excited about getting to worship in the, in the, on a Sunday morning. Right. Because we really expect that something great is going to happen. Yeah. That we're going to really meet Jesus. And I don't know, that's something I think we, we can cultivate. I think yeah. that's something we really should be praying for. Right. You know, uh, give me that grace. Give me that excitement to right. get up on Sunday morning and can't wait sure. to get here. And I'm putting on the wrong clothes and stuff because I just can't wait. Right. But the fact that they're just so they they know that something great is going to happen in the same way that they they can see that Jesus brings this abundance where there was nothing a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the uh, passage in Romans where Paul is talking about. Uh, Abraham's faith. Yeah. And with that same kind of attitude that God is promising him things that no right 
thinking person should be believing right. at this point. Sure. You know, Abraham is told that he's going to have offspring that will number as many as the, the stars in the sky mm -hmm. and that his offspring is going to come from his body and Sarah's body. Right. Yet nothing that they're looking at could, could support that kind of thought. You know, but they go ahead and he, he believes anyway and does what God asks him to do. Right. Actually, he is so, his life is so contrary to what the promise is. Mm -hmm. It's almost incredible that he, he didn't just feel more hopeless after it was, oh, right. it was promised to him. Because yeah. here he is, he's 100 by the time his yeah. promise comes through. So what is he, 90 when he gets this promise? Mm -hmm. Sarah's 80 when they get this promise. She's 90 when Isaac's born. But it, it looks so impossible, yet his faith sticks. I mean, we hear a lot more about Abraham than we do with some people in the Bible about how their faith goes throughout that time. Oh, sure. Because we do get his, his journey yeah. for, for those years between the promise and then the promise fulfilled. But we don't get a ton of how he might be feeling day by day. Mm -hmm. We get maybe year by year. So, so we can't say that he wasn't feeling hopeless at some points and stuff. And I, certainly I think he was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just for him to, to even believe it from the, from the start is incredible to me. But there, yeah. there's that hope that says that God can do more than what I can even think or imagine or that... I can possibly imagine he would want out of me. And that's, that's the incredible thing about God is he sees way beyond what we can even hope to see. So it's pretty cool. And, and when we have that sort of faith that says, I want to see what God does with this, even if it feels to me or it seems to me like there is no way, but I want to see how he can prove me wrong, yeah. then that opens that door to something incredible actually happening in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, Paul says, and this is I love too, he's talking about how Abraham and Sarah, they both have this incredible promise that's been given to them, but they're not ignoring the facts. Yeah. They really do know that, gosh, this is, this is, this is, if it wasn't God, it would be really a big long shot, right? Right. But they believe anyway. He says in verse 19 of chapter four of Romans, he says, without weakening in his faith, meaning Abraham, yeah. he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead mm. since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. This is what I love. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Mm -hmm. So they're not ignoring the facts, everything that screams, no, this is impossible. Right. They're looking, they see it, but they're just looking just beyond it to the promise and the fact that they are fully persuaded that God can keep his promises and that he will do what he promised. So I love that phrase, fully persuaded. That's uh, a good thing to be, isn't yeah. it? I, I like that phrase too. And it actually, it tells us that he had to have experienced something in order for him to be persuaded. I mm -hmm. mean, he had to go through a few things for that to happen. And it's just like the, the disciples in this last story in John, in John 21, mm -hmm. where 
they had to experience something to get them to that point. And I mean, we know what they experienced. They experienced three years of Jesus's ministry and his life and the miracles that he did. But they had to experience that in order to even hope that something could come out of that situation. They're sitting on a boat with empty nets. Mm -hmm. And for them to even cast them into the water again, there had to have been something inside them that said experientially, this this might work. I've experienced crazier things than this. So so I love that. Yeah, Yeah, they had to be persuaded. Sometimes we have to be persuaded, but God's so loving, He does. Throughout our whole entire stories of our lives, if we can look back time and time again, God is persuading us to recognize who he is and what he can do, which is really incredible. Well, I hope that we can all be this week fully persuaded and pray to be fully persuaded that Jesus really is calling us into the next new thing, Mm -hmm. that he is a God who brings abundance where there's barrenness, it brings abundance where there's emptiness. And and yeah, we can all be fully persuaded that God will keep his promises. Yeah. Yeah. So Hope you're enjoying this Easter season, and we have a few more weeks left. So we just hope that you guys will just continue to think about the resurrection and think about all that that says about what God can do and what God has promised to us in Jesus Christ. So, of course, if you're in this area and on a Sunday you'd like to worship with us, please come by the church. Otherwise, we will see you next week on Under the Stained Glass. Bye.